And welcome to Project Canary. In this episode, Crystal Monday and I will be breaking down the situational report. Crystal has been heroically working herself to the bone, getting the data all ready for all of us. And it's just been this amazing like newsletter that you've been worked on. Like, thank you. Like, I don't think anything else like this exists in Canada right now. Sadly not. I mean, I think this is part of the problem we are having just in general in our public health approach is that it's really hard to get accurate information and everything is kind of spread out across various places. So um, keeping track of it can be really difficult for people. And our press conferences, as you know, Mel, tend to change time and days and all sorts of things. So um, yeah, I mean, my goal of the newsletter was to try and get the most important relevant information Mm -hmm. like twice weekly and try and send it out to people so we can keep apprised of what's going on. Um, So it seems like people are picking it up and that's good. And I'm happy you can subscribe at BC COVID update and it'll get automatically sent to you out. Um, Or otherwise you can just pick it up on my Twitter. I post it there as well. Yeah, and thank you for this because no one else is actually analyzing this data and presenting it in a comprehensive format the way that you are, because you know as as we had discussed in a couple a couple shows ago about how just the general population they're not trained in reading mm-hmm. scientific reports and understanding data and whatnot, right? So um, it's the obfuscation of the information and also the availability of the information that's really handicapping our efforts in BC and I think probably nationally right now in trying to get a handle on this pandemic. Yeah, I would agree that it's becoming difficult, especially with the rise of the variants of concern to see really what's going on in Canada. And I know that um, some of the kind of data scientists have been working to pull the essentially the curves of the pandemics apart, because if we think about it, we have like the wild type of original COVID. So that's just Mm -hmm. a normal COVID that started last year. But it doesn't act the same way as the variants. So we have to look at them separately as if they're sort of a second pandemic versus the original COVID because it's not going to act in the same way. And that's what's really important for people to understand right now. I think that's an incredibly important point to stress. People need to really understand that with the variants in play, which I'm quite surprised no one is talking about in mm-hmm. in mainstream media but people really need to understand that with variants in play it's actually like a different pandemic it's like it's not only does it have its own waves with the variant right. that it's an actually completely different plague altogether i mean if right. you want to call it a plague right it's a different kind of plague because, it acts differently right it because it acts differently and because it acts differently in terms of how transmissible it is and how much it's going to spread to other people and hospital rates and all those things yeah we have to really look at it uh differently than we've been looking at the wild type of covid Variants, variants of concern. Um, Let's talk about the variants quickly. Yeah, so I guess maybe we'll start with uh, what our current numbers are, perhaps as of the last uh, report or the numbers that we saw on Friday, yesterday, March 19th. 
Um, so we are actually up to 1,200 total variant cases now, which is, again, growing quite a bit. Um, we're seeing a lot of the UK variant. We're at almost 1,100 cases now of that. Uh, South Africa has been pretty consistent. We're, we're staying at about 41 cases, but again, we've seen quite a jump of the Brazil variant as well, just 65 cases. So yesterday on Friday, there were 68 apparently detected, but remember that those numbers are behind. So we don't really have a great gauge on how many are coming through each day, but we do know that there are about 150 cases of the variants remaining active right now. That's so scary. And, and these numbers that we're talking about mm -hmm. when you say they're behind, meaning that the data that you're analyzing mm -hmm. is actually how many days old? So for the sequencing, we're probably looking at at least a week out. So these numbers are likely wow. at least a week old. Holy smokes. And then you're looking. So if these numbers are like seven days old mm -hmm. and the variants grow in like an exponentially much right. differently than the original virus right like gosh like we, we there's a lot more right yeah. than we know and and as we know these are more transmissible so um, we did see some interesting kind of information come out over the weekend in Alberta. So Dr. Hinshaw, who is their public health officer, did say that they've seen some cases of variant transmission outdoors when people are not properly distancing and masking. So that's just a big reminder for people to make sure if you are utilizing those new policies to be in outdoor groups of 10, to make sure you're still distancing and doing your masking because we are seeing cases of this being spread very easily with the variants, even if you're outdoors. So it's important to remember that. Yeah, just because you were told you're safe outside 10 doesn't mean that everything's hunky-dory and everything's yeah, okay. Yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be going, you know, even if you have that safe 10, you shouldn't necessarily be hugging all your safe 10 and be in no. their immediate bubble just because they're in other households, right? Because yes. if we think about our individual households, many people have people in childcare, at work, they are crossing over with many people. So we have yes. to continue thinking about that as we move forward. Yeah, so definitely be vigilant with your bubbles. Like, um, don't be like my neighbor that I tweeted last night and they had a, an outdoor hot tub party and I think it was their safe 10, but that's super gross for one, but they're in their hot tubs, all of them, and there's a whole bunch of people having a party, you know, and, and that's not what Dr. Bonnie Henry meant, I think, you know. No. No, like, it, you're right. People are in different bubbles. Like, you're mixing a whole bunch of different bubbles when you're all together. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that, you know, you can go and jump in each other's hot tubs. <laughs> well, and I think that, unfortunately, we saw some of this over St. Patrick's Day, right? I think many of us saw a number of photos up across BC of people that were obviously not in restaurants with their safe six or their, you know, the people from their households. There were many people crossing households. There were many yes. people, you know, sitting at tables that were very close and all these things, which, you know, it, it's not going to add to uh, helpfulness and benefits in BC right now for the pandemic if we continue seeing this behavior. Yeah, no, it's it's quite scary because, you know, the the variants that of concern are really named variants of concern for a reason. Mm -hmm. They're extremely transmissible. Like, And um, these won't be the only ones, too, no, which I think is good to, to note that 
when we have a lot of community spread of viruses, we give more opportunity for mutations to occur. So, Which means more variants are yeah. created. So mm-hmm. even if we have variants right now that we can deal with and that the vaccines are good with, that doesn't mean that the next variant will be. So we have new variants that are coming out of the United States right now, both in the Northeast and a New York specific one in California as well has one in the West. Um, And they, you know, are having more mutations and may affect vaccine vaccine effectiveness. So it's really important that we actually minimize community transmission so that we don't end up with our own BC variant. Yes. And, and, Community transmission, unfortunately, is, is with more and more studies coming out. I mean, there was a study out today from Belgium saying that, yeah, community transmissions are driven by full-time face-to-face in-school instruction. Yes. And you see a great rise in the risk among school children and their parents. That's so right. So what they are doing in many countries right now is looking at like almost these mini herds. So school communities as a whole will get vaccinated where they vaccinate all the teachers, all the staff, all the parents, all the children. Mm-hmm. And then that's their community bubble. You know, they're not allowed outside of that bubble. So then they are, everybody's vaccinated that can be in terms of the adults, but the children can't be, of course. But then it minimizes the risk of transmission to the children as well. Because we, we have some, you know, research coming out on long COVID and some really concerning results about, you know, what it might look like long term for people that we really don't have answers to yet. So allowing widespread community transmission, especially among children, is questionable at best. Absolutely, especially with all the the new research uh, coming out about what long COVID does to your brain development, right. you know, and how it causes like brings on you know Parkinson's or dementias like symptoms, right? right? Where where it messes with your brain and. And And we saw that early on, let's be clear, like there were lots of reports of neurological based symptoms in those first six months that were often ignored. So people were coming in with, you know, um, you know, unclear cognition, like they were very confused. They were experiencing dementia like symptoms in the hospital. um, And a lot of that just kind of wasn't talked about back then. But I do remember seeing research like that and case studies as well. Yeah. See, I mean, I live near a hospital and it's constantly going by right now the ambulances and literally it gives me a little chill down the spine because you know because of the community widespread transmissions are happening every time you hear an ambulance go by it's probably some guy in distress i mean how many do we have an icu right now uh what are we at let's see we have 85 um and then we have another 292 in hospital and i want to be clear because i I separate this in the newsletter and i'll explain why Mm -hmm. Um, most people think that the hospital number the 292 includes those in the icu Mm -hmm. but many of us have actually contacted the health districts and from what we're aware and what we have documentation of them responding to us via email is that these are actually separate numbers wow there are 292 in the hospital and 85 Mm -hmm. also in the icu so that's from my understanding and some of the documentation we have, but the larger kind of public health hasn't really answered that for us. So I continue to separate them because from what we're aware, those are separate. And we see a rise. There's been a 35% increase in hospitalizations in the last month. Oh my goodness. That is significant. Right. And, 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 and you know, when the hospitals were getting ready for the wave, first wave in COVID, you know, doctors were told to be on like a war footing. Right. Yeah. It was to, to make space and the beds for all this. Well, now it's it's here. Right. right. 
but yet we still haven't done anything extra to minimize community transmissions except for the magical vaccine. And, and I think that is the real concern right now is, is yeah. BC is very clearly following a uh, vaccine dependent plan that mm-hmm. like their entire plan is resting on enough people being vaccinated. And I think we can clearly see if we have one chink in the armor of our distribution coming here, we're going to have a real problem and we already do have a problem. We will not get vaccines in arms fast enough to deal with these variants if they keep increasing at the rate they're increasing right now. That's right. And and just to make it clear for the audience, when not enough people are vaccinated with a vaccine and people are still out there getting infected, their virus is still continuing to mutate right. and more variants are being created. So because not everyone's going to get vaccinated all at once, you're going to have pockets of people unvaccinated and those pockets of people are then possibly could create new variants themselves. Right. So where then the vaccine won't even be effective anymore. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially, right? So the longer you don't take care of the community transmissions and just let it proliferate. Well, and we see that in the United States, right? We right. see the variants coming out of those areas where they had mass community spread, such as California, mm-hmm. such as New York, where the virus had the opportunity to see those mutations. And we have almost 10,000 people in monitoring again. Right. Like that's a lot of people that are potentially exposed and we won't know how many of those become positive because they're not testing them. They simply leave them in isolation. Wow. Yeah. And still there's no asymptomatic testing in schools for kids at all. None whatsoever. So so from what I'm aware, children actually need two symptoms to get testing if they're in schools but there's been a lot of you know up and down in terms of some regions get really really easy access to testing and some regions don't so it's really hard to kind of give testing across the board but we do know that rapid testing is not being used Um, between last week when I did my report and this week they've only used about 15,000 of the rapid tests that they have in storage they have had 2.7 million tests almost shipped to them they continue to sit on them and not use them my goodness and they expire too don't they they do and that is our tax dollars people so this is a reminder to you these are our tax dollars that paid for these rapid tests and for some reason our bc public health is not using them and they have been found effective in looking for screening in those places such as schools such as long-term care such as acute care such as places where there's a people with disabilities like we can be using these tests um, in a much more effective way or at all, right? Like at yes. this point, we're not using them. Why? Yeah. Why, exactly. Why are we not using them? You know, and, and that's part of the concern, right? It's, it's right. a huge concern because we're not doing the proper screening and testing to control community transmission. Well, we don't, we still don't screen in hospitals, right? We don't, no. we don't screen admissions. We don't screen the patients that necessarily come in unless they have certain symptoms. So think about that, right? Like those are all potential exposures. We know that asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic cases account for a lot of transmission. Yes. And we know that there's, it's airborne, like it yeah. travels by air, but yet our hospitals are still only on droplet protections right now. Yes. Which doesn't allow them to get the appropriate PPE that they need either. Exactly. And that PPE is, is, is something close to an N95. Right. And which no, which they're not provided with. 
Right. And that's and that's important for people to make clear is that if hospitals are not on aerosol and they're on droplet protocol, they don't warrant the masks that actually help with aerosol. So it's not included in the funding for that. Which is ridiculous because we really should be getting on a war footing to deal with this. I mean, I see Australia and New Zealand enjoying their spring festivals and whatnot. This is just But let's so... take a guess, right? Like if we yeah. open this up and think about if they, you know, openly really start to acknowledge aerosol like they have in other places in other provinces, they probably also also should be providing teachers those masks as well. Right? Oh yes. You know, and absolutely acknowledging the risk that they are placing them in, because, I mean, I mean, the U.S.—they're not in full full-time face-to-face instruction. No, and they haven't been for the year. Yeah, they have actually pulled back because, you know, they're like, hey, maybe we should not. Yep. Have the kids all get exposed to this. Yes, and they have—they've even said with the induction of the variants, and let's be clear, they are vaccinating at a, an extreme rate right now, and yes. the U.S. is still expressing vast concern about the variants and how quickly they are taking over. Yeah. Um, so it is really important that we don't get into this mindset that the pandemic is over at, at any point right now because it's really not. It's really not. I mean, um, you know, when they started their vaccination campaign in the United States, General Milley from the Pentagon actually called it D-Day. He stated there, this is very significant because the first duty is to protect our citizens and they're under attack right now from this virus. And so UK, I mean, they got on a war footing right away and they enlisted their their soldiers to help with inoculations, right? Well, let's talk about vaccinations and what's been happening in okay. the last week. Let's talk about that. Let's let's go segue into that since we're uh, talking about vaccinations. Yeah, so we know that uh, in the last week we saw in BC a lot of people getting vaccinated that we didn't expect to be seeing vaccinated. Um, oh yeah. So... Let's, yeah, let's talk about that one. So oh we, you know, there were uh, glass workers and cabinet workers and a Costco in Port Coquitlam. Um, they have also completely vaccinated Whistler Ski Hill as well as the uh, Kelowna Ski Hill Big White. Um, and, you know, we had no awareness that this was part of the plan. They've they've now said that they have this parallel vaccination plan and have started giving out information on it. But prior, it you know, it clearly did not exist before no. this, right? Like they've been adding people onto this and they are trying to control the spread of the transmission right now, which we discussed about last week is a terrible idea in and of itself. Not yes, that vaccinating people is. Vaccinating no. people is great. Vaccines yes. in arms is great. Yes. Um, but to not be vaccinating teachers at that point was really stressful. And then they came out, I think it was yesterday, and said yeah. that now vac- teachers are part of the vaccination plan, but not until April. Yeah. Which makes no sense because we were just on spring break. We could have inoculated all of the teachers and they could right. have had that first round of, you know, effectiveness in for them. Um, right. So very confusing still to me because we know it's an unsafe workplace too. WorkSafe BC reports have been spiking among elementary teachers that have no mask mandate compared to secondary teachers. What right? is the what is the ratio? Is it like seven times or, or it was higher? Three, to- three times. Three times. Three times. Three times. Yeah. Great. It was high. I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, that yeah, is Yeah, so I terrible. think it was that they'd had about 80, 80, 85 accepted reports in elementary student or elementary teachers and about uh, 25 in the secondary teachers. So there's a clear difference going on there and we still have not mandated masks. 
Wow, you know, and and um, most of the province will be returning back from spring break soon too. After next yeah. week, I believe. Right? This is our. We have a week, and then they're supposed to be returning back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really hope whoever is advising, you know, the school boards and and whatnot, I really hope WorkSafe says something to this effect, well, you know. You know, it's very confusing to me because school trustees continue to vote down mask mandates and that includes the I what is the name of it? I can't remember the name of the actual school, but uh, or the school board, but they voted down a mask mandate like 5 to 4 and why? Why and, would and, you like my genuine question to every single member on that board or those trustees that voted no is answer me why you would vote down a mask mandate in a school where teachers are getting sick absolutely what is the answer for that it is is a simple easy effective measure and it is just unforgivable to put teachers in that position absolutely just to put any person in the position where they have to yes and there's school staff let's put there's all sorts of other staff there that also i am speaking to them as well when i'm speaking to teachers any sort of school staff that are in that position because you've been designated as essential workers with no choice and also don't get the things required of essential workers that's right it's it's like being conscripted to war but not given any equipment right right and expected to go go out in the field and that's exactly what's happening right now. With no armor. With no armor. Exactly. They have no armor. It's no armor, a, no weapon. Right? No armor, no weapon. Like maybe a half a, a half a weapon because it's a half a layer of protection. Like, you know. Ridiculous. And if I sound frustrated this week, I am. Right. Yeah. So we all, I think we, we all are. All, we all are. We're all feeling just a little just so just done with this nonsense like why can't you just i don't know listen to us and just do what we tell you to do right like listen to common sense it's your job yeah right like it's it's hard for me to accept that we have public health that is minimizing these things in a real way like i just and media that is not dealing with it effectively yeah, I, they're not asking the questions they should be asking. Like, why every week do we have questions on hockey? Yeah, like that's so why? silly. You know, like, and and why aren't you asking, calling out the BC CDC? Why are they diverging from the American CDC? You can see where they're diverging now. I why publish is- a newsletter every week, guys, with all these questions. It's pretty easy for you to pick it up. There's lots of questions there of relevant scientific interest if you want to use them. Yeah, like just ask the questions. We're like literally doing the homework for you guys. And like, I get it. On. I get that there there is business behind hockey and there's economy and everybody in BC is really stoked that our economy is so great. You know, let's smoke and mirrors. Let's start with that because yeah. lots of us are still at home dealing with a lot of weird situations, even if we technically are not on unemployment. Um, that it's just, it's wild to not have people asking questions about the data that we don't have. I mean, we've seen some new articles and I included that in the newest newsletter. Um, you know, Penny did a recent one about the variants not being disclosed at how much there was, how many oh variants God. there actually were. Yes. yes, that was a good, that was a good piece, but my goodness. Yeah, and like, you know, we have we have some media people not very many probably a handful that that ask decent questions most of them aren't allowed at the press interviews or don't get to ask questions um but a lot of them are just you know i'm not i don't understand what they think their job is 
Right. Are you trying to uh, control public opinion or are you trying to... But it's also not your job to protect the government. That's right. Last I checked, that is not your job. So why do we have journalists that are sticking up for Bonnie Henry or Dr. Henry um, when there's clear data problems? Like this isn't an issue about Dr. Bonnie Henry. This is an issue about our public health data. Yes. And our health. Yes. Like that's her job. We should be able to ask these questions. So to have journalists come back at us on Twitter and you know what we've had, we've been quote tweeted as, you know, or being called out for causing problems or attacking Bonnie Henry. We're not attacking her. We're not attacking public health. We are asking where the data is to support the decisions that they're making. And that is our right as a BC citizen. That's right. In a free and open democratic society, during a crisis and pandemic, where this office is in charge of protecting us and looking out for our health, we have a right to ask. And they haven't had a good track record. They have no. already said that they're not giving us information on race and ethnicity-based data. That is a clearly important factor. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, we have things that they have already made choices that we don't like and we don't understand. And they continue to just push ahead. Yes. Right? We had 65,000 parents sign for a mask mandate. They didn't even discuss it, but they dealt with some, you know, rich board in Vancouver that wanted more instructional time. Where's representation for those 65,000 parents? That I don't understand at all. I remember that was an excellent petition and everyone participated and they just, they didn't even acknowledge it. Not no. once. No. So right? crazy. So, so crazy. it's just that question of like, it's not enough to pay lip service saying that there are vulnerable groups unless you're doing something about it. Absolutely. Like, um, the stop BC using COVID- it as a talking point yes. for the NDP and for public health and do something. Help the groups. Yeah, we want to see action. Like, um, BC school COVID tracker moms, right? Yeah. Two moms in BC, they're going to be joining us on our next show. Hey, they're heroes. They're actually doing something. And why haven't they approached them, right? Like they have an immense amount of data they could be using to be going through right now, right? Like that is such an amazing data point. The survey we're doing for parents, I offered to do this for free for the government, exactly what I'm doing anyway. It's an open data set they're going to be able to use anyway. Like it's nonsense at this point absolute nonsense like you guys are mad you didn't think of it first like come on like it's not about that this is an all hands on deck situation like we are we need to get on a war footing canadians are stepping up and filling the void where they see is needed like you with the newsletter the covid tracker moms where they're seeing if it wasn't for the covid tracker moms no one would know where the school infections nope. are and no, that they is would, just it would be ridiculous. completely hidden right yeah. like we wouldn't know surrey had 2000 exposure letters that's insane 2,000 exposure letters and just like... Can you imagine if 2,000 McDonald's in BC had gotten an exposure letter? Yeah, exactly. Right? So you have all these families that are now dealing with all these exposures on their spring break. Like, thanks, guys. And and let's be clear. Do you really think that 100% of those people on isolation orders are following it? Exactly. We clearly know they aren't. We've been told time and time again by our public health that we need to do more. I've been in my house for like 54 weeks. I can't do anymore. That's right. But the numbers are still rising. Yeah. 
right? That's where we're at. That's why you hear that frustration today and this last week is that we keep getting told there's nothing we can do and there's nothing public health will do. It's still going up. Yeah. And I'm still not doing anything. I'm still not safe. So how the hell is this working? Yeah, it's not working, guys. Like, come on. It's not working. It's not working. So I guess that brings us more to variance in, in terms of why we're concerned right now. But, okay. Um, so I know we talked about the news in terms of the variants. So when they were first screening for variants, we found out this week that they had initially said that they'd only found three cases. Oh. Um, but uh, CTV recently dug into it and they found that there were actually 28 cases, which they hadn't updated the report for us until we got the modeling update and they didn't really tell us so it was actually 10 times higher than they initially said oh my goodness but we're just not getting information on that and how scary is that this is an airborne virus which is more transmissible more so more contagious and it's more deadly meaning your your chances as a young person getting put into the icu is higher yes okay and we see more young people dying yeah more young people in this increasing in BC, right? We've seen more people in their 30s die in the last couple months, and we're only going to see that increase with these variants. That's right. And these are parents. No, these are parents. These these are the ages of of kids with young parents. And we already saw this in the States, right? We have... Florida, Georgia, Texas right now, they are all more than 50% of new cases of UK variant. You have families there where both parents die of COVID. And you have COVID orphans, yeah. right? You have COVID orphans in the States. Like, is this where we want to get to Canada? Like, seriously, get with it. Is this where we want to end up? We have COVID orphans because we can't get our shit together to control community transmissions. Come on, guys. And we see it like hospital numbers are increasing. We know, and you all know, that nurses, doctors, support staff in hospitals, they are fucking tired. Yes. They cannot do this for another year. And they cannot do it with a peak that we see again like we did in the second wave. No. it's We can't live with this virus because the virus keeps changing. Those... We- there's people in my my grandma's long-term care that had to sit by 15 of the residents they took care of and watch them die. Oh, Jesus. How many people are experiencing that right now? You know, like, you may not think that two people dying on one day is much, but when someone is doing that every day in the hospital, yeah. like, this is mental health well-being for these people that we are putting this on as well. They are going to we're going to have severe amounts of people with trauma to process after this has happened. Absolutely. We, and we see that in the doctors and nurses. I mean, we see that in Italy, right? When they were burning yep. out in the first wave, when they couldn't, couldn't handle it. People were like the whole city in Italy was, was wiped out. Right. Yep. I remember seeing the footage of, of the Italian soldiers being mobilized just to carry the coffins out of this town. It yep. wiped out an entire town. Because they let the variants grow out of control. And we see things like this happening with the variants, even when places have been infected. So if we look at the Brazilian variant, the P1 one, or sorry, the P1 variant, mm-hmm. um, there was a city of Manaus in Brazil, which had a really high level of infection already from COVID. So their prevalence studies in October 2020 showed that about 76% of the population had been infected. Wow. But they still got hit by the Brazilian variant. 
Oh my goodness. Right? They still had extensive impacts because even though you have immunity when you get sick, it's not necessarily the same immunity as a vaccine. That's right. Right? So even though you have immunity from different sorts of vaccines and from the sickness, you can still get reinfection from some of these variants if you've had COVID before. Yes. Because this is a different pandemic, right? Right. You have to treat the variants as a different plague. So there's, we had the original plague. Now this is a new plague. If you guys want to be able to conceptualize this. Yes. And, and we see that in Brazil right now, it is having like a total healthcare collapse, right? They are like 90% capacity in many of their hospitals. Most of them are above 80. Their ICU death rate is at 75%. It was at 30% before. Wow. And Ontario today had, had put up their pop-up tents yep. for their yes. like emergency hospitals. Like the field we were, hospitals. The field hospitals. We're like And let's be clear, we yeah. had extra stuff in BC too. Yep. Right? They yep. just quietly set it up. Mm-hmm. So it's not unlikely that this is going to come back. And if we look at our P1 cases, we started with only 13 cases on March 9th. Yesterday on the 19th, we had 65. Wow. Wow. That's not so, a good rate of growth. No. And and we are really, what did we say last show? We're like about two weeks behind Ontario. Yeah. Yep. I mean, where are field hospitals in BC? I know the convention center was supposed to be a field hospital. I don't know. I don't think they've set anything up right now because, no. again, in my opinion, our <laughs> public health is sort of, it's almost like they've put these blinders on of like, our vaccine plan's going to work no matter what. And they're in denial. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like hoping for the best. And if it, if it goes well, they'll, you know, reap the victory. And if not, too bad, I guess. Because we I'm didn't saying. do enough. Because it's on us, right? We did hilarious because how many times did Dick stand up there at the beginning of this pandemic and say, it's better to react and never know that we couldn't have done more than just let it happen and everybody gets sick. But where, where's that precautionary principle now? Yeah, they did not follow the precautionary principle because they followed the Great Barrington Declaration strategy. Right. They, they said, uh, sacrifice your uh, your elderly for the economy. Because guess what? The elderly now, like we're we. It's, every, it's yeah. We can it's, look it's at Sweden class. and like we can look at you know Germany just just came out with their research showing like school kids and parents are getting variants more. Like, it's there. The information is there. Um, I think, in my opinion, again, that it's clear our our province is is weighing economy over people. Right. All they do is they they yell about how we're at like 97 percent back and like all these things. They're just using it as talking points, you know. No. And if I mean, yeah, as useless as our press conferences are, really, I mean, it, it's it's so evident. You're right. I mean, here's a clear example. The Vancouver Convention Center is supposed to be converted into the field hospital mm-hmm. in the event that anything, you know, goes hanky sideways. Right. Um, so yeah, nothing is set up because guess what? The Vancouver Convention Center is set up for the Van Gogh exhibit, the interactive indoor Van Gogh exhibit that they've extended to September that you can buy tickets for $114 a pop for your family to experience Van Gogh. Well, wonderful, but, um, you have an airborne variant, so good luck with that. Mm-hmm. And you may need to use the Vancouver Convention Center for a field hospital because, you know, um, as much as you guys want to pretend the virus and the variant doesn't exist, 
the variant doesn't care. Yeah. Viruses don't care. And like, and that's the thing is that they can pretend what they would like, but like it's catching up with us and we see that. You know, they can't deny this anymore as we see these numbers go up. This is obvious that this is not working and we have to change our pandemic strategy. Yeah. We definitely need to do more because it's not working. No. Um, Do we know what the threshold is? Like when there's a tipping point where there's just so much like infection that is we just completely lost control that like at Brazil levels yeah I mean I think that we're already on that path unfortunately to be honest it's like it's baked in like I think we just have let it spread so much at this point that I think the most thing people need to be concerned with now is keeping themselves safe for the next couple months wow because we can't control the behavior of other people. And it's been clear that there's a certain section of people, 10 to 15% that refuse to follow the policies that we are putting out there. And unfortunately, with the transmission of the variant, you can be putting yourself at risk now by being around more people. So, I mean, it really sucks to say to people that have already been doing this for a year that we have to do it for longer, but that is our only option to stay safe. So pretty much everyone uh, uh, is take care of your bubble, take care of your family. Yeah. And and hunker down because... I would say the next four to six weeks to see what happens. Because, yeah. you know, that's going to be where we see either this takes off the next four weeks or it doesn't. Because I think we're on that precipice right now with the UK variant in particular. We've seen it rising quite quickly. But also the Brazilian, like it's it's a nasty variant. It's a monster, isn't it? Yeah, like, and it, it's it like it appears that the vaccine, uh, AstraZeneca and Pfizer so far have effectiveness against it. But again, we can't vaccinate that fast. That's right. Right, and it still puts that risk out there that we have partially vaccinated people mm-hmm. and a bunch of people that can get sick with it still. So it's this is not we can't live with it. This isn't a strategy. No, it's not. It's, it's not, not a sustainable one, and and that is what I ended my newsletter with is that. You know, we see what has happened over the past four months. I put the graph up. What we are doing is not working. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Four to four weeks, we'll see if our national health system is going to collapse. That's pretty much what we're saying, guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much clearer we can say this, but if you do not take care of the community transmissions immediately, ASAP, And that means N95 masks or double masking for every human with a lung, okay, that's supposed to come in contact with each other. I mean, guys, we're going to lose our medical health system and we're going to see mass graves like in Brazil if we don't. And let's remind ourselves, when we were at these numbers in Christmas, they were telling us that we were almost at that point, right? But they're not saying those things anymore. They're just saying, oh, the numbers are going up. Well, yeah, and we run out of capacity at some point or we run out of people willing to continue doing this job. Yes. And, and, and right? what is you cannot continue yeah. to treat essential workers like this and have no. them continue to do this job. They're going to walk away at some point. And I encourage them if they continue to be treated like this. Walk away. Yeah, I know. and But that's a privilege, right? It is a privilege. Some some people can't because they have to feed their families, right? Absolutely. And, and, and so it's this, you know, it's this system people are stuck in and, and, and this 
stressful crisis that we've now that we find ourselves in with this pandemic makes it even worse. Yep. You know, I, I can't imagine like the fight or flight that is activated in so many people right now. Like, I mean, we were just talking about this new, <laughs> yeah. new, right? Yeah. Like, we're we're okay. Obviously, our brains are like super active, and and we like data, and we know how to analyze stuff, and I that's why stop our brains. Though, right? Yeah, like, I can't stop you. Right. Um. I can't imagine what it is like for other people too, right? Like there must be, I mean, increased anxiety. I yeah. mean, anger is most most people's default emotion because and helplessness of, and helplessness, right? Because people don't know how to um, self soothe or, or regulate their emotions, and necessarily, no one really has lived through such stressful situations. Most people, right? And we have people. these individuals that also go up there and tell us incorrect and you know confusing and at times completely uh opposite information right and then we're supposed to try and make sense of this and keep ourselves safe we've never experienced anything like this so you know again we talked about this last time when you don't have the data you fill in the gaps yourself that's right you know and people are going back to normal the people that don't want to see a new pandemic coming and understand what it means they are reverting to denial which is extremely dangerous. Yes. Like I'm seeing a lot of people going out to restaurants again, like eating, like in part like yep. and out of their sticks, but they're out there like hanging out. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? What, what And again, we knew that, you know, last summer BC managed okay and was able to keep those numbers down and and summer outdoors was okay, but this is not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what we're trying to say is that the new variants of COVID don't necessarily require the same amount of you know sick viral viral particles to make you sick or they can go farther think about it like that so that it just takes less for you to get sick now and and sick more severely that you will end up in the icu yes if you get sick with these you're more likely to end up in the hospital more likely to end up in icu and we see more kids getting misc now we had another missed case this week we don't know whether those rates are going to increase as well we haven't seen any data on that with the variants so i have no idea if that's going to change um so there's just really a lot going on for everybody right now and we don't have any info to to make sense of what the future is going to look like Mm-hmm. But what we can control right now yes. is take care of your family, take care of yourself. Yes. Um, stay in your bubble, wear your masks, and you know, practice self-care right now, I think is important too, right? To be able to process everything that we're dealing with right now, process our emotions, connect with people who affirm, validate, and celebrate you, right? Like mm-hmm. and and just engage in an activity where you feel empowered and, and try to find joy right now. Yeah. I think it's important. Otherwise, you're going to get burnt out and depression and anxiety will slip in very easily. I mean, it, this is an incredibly challenging And that time has right an now. inherent impact on your immune system. That's right. right. That's when right. we are stressed out, when we are having those sort of issues, whether it's mentally or physically, our immune system is lowered and we're more likely to get sick. So it's so critical that right now everybody is genuinely taking care of themselves. Yes. Taking care of themselves, but mostly checking, check in with people you love. Yeah. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people struggling right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that at this point in the pandemic and 
you know, hearing this news about variants is not fun to say. It's not fun for us to give. Like, I would love to go back to normal life and see it coming that way, but I don't think it is. That's why I'm here having this conversation with you is because I don't, I can't put my head in the sand. No, we can't. We can't ignore it. Like, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? It's it's a terrible And it's our responsibility as people who have a platform that people will listen to, to make it clear because there are so many voices out there giving false information. Mm -hmm. Like I feel genuinely it's my responsibility with my training and with the privilege that I have in my life to make it clear that we will be honest about what is going on. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's like a moral imperative. I feel almost it's like, it's, it's ethical right it's 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 ethical to do what we're doing because gosh how can we not say anything and just stand idly by when we can see what is coming but also it's a moral imperative because i think i think it also has to do with that we're just moms right we want we want to see our kid grow up in a world where they don't have to live like this forever yeah this is not the world i want my sons to inherit i and let's be clear i the problems that we talk about in terms of like school systems and, and inequities, like I don't I don't think those are gonna be solved during my lifetime, but I sure as hell am not gonna stop trying. I want my son to see that. That's right. That's right. You know, and, right? and yeah, and we want we want to see some change and and I mean if we can see it and we can identify it and articulate it, which many people cannot, yeah, then it's all it is our responsibility to to have dialogue about these things, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think that's in terms of this week's newsletter and what we'll end off with today is is a few kind of small calls to action if you have the mental capacity to do so anyway. Um, the first being that the BC COVID tracker on Facebook is now actually gathering information on school transmission data. Wow. So if you have been someone who's been impacted by COVID in the school system, then please do touch base with them and give them the data that you have getting an accurate understanding of how COVID was working within the school systems is actually really imperative for our future understandings of pandemics and being able to solve the inequities that we saw so clearly during this pandemic. Which is correct because this is not the first pandemic either folks, right? Let's let's no. remind ourselves of this as climate change is coming and you know um, more viruses are going to be released into the planet, you know, and 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 this is not the first. Okay, yeah. there's more coming. So we want to be make sure that we have the proper armor to protect ourselves for what's coming. Yeah. And and so another call to action as part of that kind of data collection efforts are that parent survey that we've been working on uh, at bcparentinfo.com. So it's available in several languages and we're really again just looking to collect data on what the experiences have been within the BC Ed system, um, what parent perspectives are, what their experiences have been, and we're going to keep running that until the end of April. So we're hoping that we can get more people helping us get this circulating around, whether it's via email or on Facebook or just at your book club online, just getting this information out to other moms and dads that can get their voices heard within the school system. And that's so important. Thank you so much for that survey again. Mm-hmm. That was a great I, initiative. I, I have to, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's ever been done before. And I've said that already, but like, gosh, is it ever important to be able to see the full picture of everything right now? Absolutely. And I would say the last thing too, is just that, you know, for those who are listening out there in BC, we have to get loud at this point because they're not, going to change their mind we know that we've seen it 
Um, as much as teachers are on the vaccination list now, it's not till April 2021 and they are still supposed to step back in classrooms next week. We need to get mask mandates within BC. It's not acceptable that we're the only province that is allowing our teachers to be at risk in this way. I absolutely agree. So I hope our teachers are listening. I know they're in their AGM this week. And, and support staff. And support staff. <laughs> all, all, all the adults in the building. Um, but yeah, it's teachers in the AGM and BCTF listening right now. Um, I know that health and safety is a big topic of discussion this week. I really hope you guys um, come to an action plan where you're going to demand our government to make sure that our communities stay safe. And yet again, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's their role. Yeah. And people need to remember that in in this time. And I, and I don't say this like lightly, but I think that we've seen people say things and expect that they're not going to be held accountable in this period of time. These are lives. And we have been saying that for a year. If you are saying things publicly that is putting my life at risk, my son's life at risk, you are going to be held accountable for that. That doesn't mean that you get to just say, oops, you know, I voted down a mask mandate and now it's over. That means that you take responsibility, you own the action that you took place in, and you tell us how you are going to change that. Because until you do that, you've not shown us anything other than you're out there for politics. Yeah. And, and we're kind of done with that. We, we yeah. want, we were all kind of done with that. We right can't now do politics anymore. This is a health no. crisis. No, it's just, this is like life or death guys. It's not a game, not a game. Like when you say it, you got to walk, you got to walk the talk. You and know, we like, say this, you know, Mel and I stand by everything we say in here and everything I say on Twitter, right? Like I am willing to stand by everything I've said with regards to COVID and, and what I think needs to be there based on the data that I've seen. Um, there's not a lot of other people out there that are giving much to back up what they're saying when it's on the opposite side. And that's what's concerning me is that we're just going full steam ahead with no data. Yeah. And just nothing but thoughts and prayers. It's, yeah. it's not acceptable. It's absolutely yeah. not acceptable. And it's increasing that helplessness and mental health distress, right? Their path to dealing with this pandemic is inherently causing more mental health distress. Yeah, so uh, they should be held accountable for absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that's not the happiest episode to hear this week, but I think it was important that we just had a kind of uh, come to Jesus discussion about (laughs) what this looks like because um, we need to be informed citizens when we make decisions and I want everybody in this province to be safe here here yeah Yeah. it's uh, the more you know the more power you have right and and you need to have that information to make informed decisions and and we don't appreciate being kept in the dark so alas project canary (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a last project canary right we could be doing so many other things but no this is what we're doing on our saturday night yep exactly <laughs> i wrote the newsletter all day and then i podcasted at night like this i mean honestly like people it's 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 really odd when people question your motives when you're doing things like that and i'm like yeah. i literally spend like 30 hours a week right now just working on stuff to get data to other people like yeah. it's not for me no. i literally just want to help other people be safe because yeah. nobody else is doing it yeah. And no one else comprehends it the way you comprehend it. Right. Like, uh, like I pointed it out, like you are doing the work like whole government departments usually take on. Right. Like there's usually a team of people crunching this data and, and, and doing putting out newsletters and, 
and and making things articulate and and comprehensive but you are doing it all on your all by your itty-bitty self you know like that's a lot to take on and yeah and my goodness thank you for it but it's needed right and that's the thing yeah. is that where we see those gaps people are filling in and it it's it's really nice to see but it's also really hard to just see the government continue to not do the things we're doing yeah yeah and we're definitely going to call them out if they try to take credit for our work <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness. there's a reason i got documents <laughs> exactly we got receipts that's the thing right and i call your attention to that is when they decide to change their story in two three weeks come read these newsletters again right yeah. like there's a reason i include quotes from them and that i'm going over their strategy is because they will deny it when they decide to change things in the future and we've already seen that so ridiculous ridiculous we it's deserve to, better it, we gotta hold them to account that's what public officials are there for they are our government they're our representation and right now they sure as hell don't represent me so exactly like they wanted this job so you know what let's hold them to account to it right they wanted this job so bad so yeah. we're gonna make sure you know you guys and are let's doing be it. clear i'm i'm against a hundred percent the things that have happened towards dr bonnie henry like getting threats and those things i've experienced it in my own work and that is not acceptable it's terrifying mm -hmm. yes. it's really distressing and i don't wish that on anyone but that is not the same thing as criticism that's right right like i can critique dr bonnie's henry pandemic strategy and that is okay People right. need to stop with this thought that if we discuss how this pandemic strategy is going, that we're somehow inherently attacking somebody. This is their job and they're allowed to be critiqued on it. That's literally yeah. the point. They have that, a job description. That's right. Uh, critique is not the same as threats. They're false equivalents. And yeah. the fact that the mainstream media is conflating that point yeah. to suppress any type of criticism is actually very concerning to me too there was a recent what was the, there was a recent interview ian and bonnie i don't remember his last name but kind of yeah Manzing. yeah that came up in terms of like attacking of bonnie and these freaking equating of us with people that are sending threats to her and it's unacceptable that media is doing that we are mm -hmm. not threatening her in any way i'm sitting there putting out data every week i'm sitting there emailing these questions to them they don't answer me what else are we supposed to do as citizens that's right i mean does data and science and questions if you find that threatening then you are i'm sorry you're in the wrong line of work like you you need to be doing something else and we know that the more viewpoints that you listen to the more you incorporate the better response you're going to get so like not listening to the people out here that have experience that are seeing these things in the data and wanting to help is just silly it is like silly. it's just it's just ignorant pride. ignorant and pride yeah. and hubris and narrow-mindedness all of those things yeah absolutely uh, there's the end rant for us <laughs> there you go so <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us uh, this week yes. on Project Canary. Uh, next week, we'll be joined by Andrea and Kathy, the two moms of BC School COVID Tracker, who I'm are so also. Excited. Oh, I'm excited too. So it's going to be me, you, and the two moms. So all us moms, we're going to be mm -hmm. chatting about what we're doing that we stepped up and filled the void. And like, yeah. gosh, like their work and your work is just so critical right now. I just, I'm so in awe of, of these women who, we already have families, you know, we all have little kids and we're stepping up <laughs> to do this. It's, it's impressive guys. It also highlights how erroneous our pandemic response is because if a group of moms can do this while also ch caring for their children and being stressed out by the pandemic, there's no fricking reason the government can't. 
exactly right <laughs> yeah like come on guys like pay us yeah uh, yeah come on it'll right? be fun to talk to them so yeah i look forward to it next week i'm excited for that so on that note let's end project canary this week and uh thank you very much crystal it was a wonderful wow. update and uh it, depending on if anything else crazy happens until next show we might have a even shorter update in between we'll see absolutely talk to you then mel talk to you later bye that was a good